Lord, we thank you for this word that you've given Nathan. We pray that you would guide him um, as he delivers this message. And we pray that, that the anointing that you've placed on his heart um, would be made clear for all of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. All right, as Jason said, my name is Nathan Strecker. I'm the youth director here at Redeemer. And I wasn't going to do this originally, but since we're talking about fall, I should probably do another shameless plug and talk about the youth ministry, uh, which is starting up on September 11th. So don't forget, um, it'll be at 6 p.m. here at the church for fifth graders through seniors. So if that's you or someone you know, get them here. It's going to be free. There's going to be food. It's going to be fun. And we'll meet every week after that, unless there's like Christmas or something like that. Or Halloween, which is both. We're not meeting those week. Anyway, youth ministry, come to it. All right. Uh, as Jason said, we're in the middle of a kingdom series talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the same thing. And we have learned so far that this theme, the kingdom of heaven, is very, very, very important in the Bible. We can find it in the very first pages all the way to the last chapter of the Bible. It's something that Jesus talked about a lot. And it's something that we mention a lot here at the church. It's in our prayers. It's in our worship songs. We talk about the kingdom. And a lot of us don't really have a full understanding of what this kingdom actually is. We know it's good. We know we want to be a part of it, or if it's God's kingdom, well, then it's got to be a just kingdom, right? That sounds good, because God's just. It's got to be a loving kingdom, because God is loving. It's got to be a, a good kingdom. So we know it's a good place, but we don't fully know what it is. So that's what we're talking about. Last week, we talked about what are the borders of this kingdom, and we talked about how there's this, this river that flows through the entire story of the Bible, representing the kingdom of heaven. And we've talked about how we can be a part of that kingdom too um, by having God and humans working together to bless the world. So we talked about borders last week and this week we're going to talk about the citizens. Who are the citizens in the kingdom of heaven? And this is a question that we're probably all a little bit more invested because the question really is, am I a part of the kingdom of heaven? Do, do I get to be a part of this really awesome place, this really good, loving, just kingdom? Do I get to be part of this kingdom? Well, this is a question that isn't just us who are asking it, but the Jewish people in Jesus' day were asking the same question. They wanted to know who is in the kingdom of heaven and how can we make it show up faster? So let's remind ourselves where that is in the story. In the beginning, God created a garden of Eden where it was good. God and humans working together to bless the world. But eventually the humans, they decided they want to do it their own way and they sinned and they got exiled from the garden. Eventually, God still wants to work with them. He gives them their own earthly kingdom. We call that the kingdom of Israel. And that was good for a while until it wasn't. And then they got exiled from that again and because the humans chose to sin. And then after that, they got kicked out to the land of Babylon. And eventually, they got to return to their homeland of Israel. But it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same because they weren't in control. The Romans were in control. So the Jewish people were trying to figure out how do we get our our kingdom back? How, how do we make it show up? And so the religious leaders, we call them the Pharisees, they were smart. And so they, they, they knew what the Bible said, the Old Testament, the, the Torah, they, they'd read it before. And they noticed a theme in the story of their people. Whenever God's people, the Israelites, followed the rules, things were good. God's kingdom was there. When they didn't follow the rules, things were bad. So they got on the right track. They're like, okay, so there's, we've got to be following these rules. That's what we've got to do. We've got to follow these laws. And so they made sure that all the Jewish people, that they followed the laws. But it wasn't just that they followed the laws, but that they made even extra laws. So they didn't even break the ones listed. They made extra rules. And they also 
made sure that everyone knew that they, the Pharisees, were the best of the best, that they were the ones not breaking the rules, that the kingdom of heaven was theirs. And they did this in a lot of ways. The Pharisees, as I said, wanted to make sure that everyone knew that they, the religious leaders, didn't break any of the rules and that they went above and beyond, right? If you were only supposed to fast once a month, the Pharisees would fast a couple times a week and they'd let you know about it. Oh, I'm, I'm so hungry, I'm fasting right now. I can't eat that delicious food. No, no, I'm fasting. Uh, for giving, you know, the Bible said they were only supposed to give some of their uh, resources, but the Pharisees would give from all their resources and again, let you know, oh, look at me, here I am giving my money, watching, you see that? I just put my money in. What, did you? No, you didn't. I'm better. All right. They made sure everyone knew. And they didn't spend time with the rule breakers. They didn't, they didn't eat dinner with the tax collectors or the prostitutes or the criminals. No, they stayed far away from them because even being close to them would mean that they might be a rule. No, they were the good boys. They were the goody two shoes. They were also the cleanest, right? These rules, there were a lot of cleanliness laws. And so they always had their hands clean. They ate clean food. They wore clean clothes that looked really nice and proper. And they had nice clean hats and trimmed beards. And they were always presentable and always looked good. And they didn't hang around with the people who were dirty, who were sick, that maybe had diseases on their skins. If they were coughing, they were going the other direction, right? They, they were the cleanest of the clean. They were also the most important people. They had the status. They had the money. Right? They were rich. They were wealthy. They were important. And that had to be a good thing, right? Because God blesses people. So if you're rich, that means God loves you a lot. And so they mean, you know, God loved them the most because they had the most money, right? They were important people. And you, not so much, not so much. They were also of the right family, right? They were descendants of Abraham. They were the Israelites. They were God's chosen people. And the other people, the other groups, you know, the Gentiles, now the kingdom, it wasn't for them because they, they weren't God's favorite people, unlike the Pharisees who were, right? The Pharisees believed that the kingdom of heaven was theirs because they were important, because they were good people, because they were the right people. And so they told everyone this, and people started to believe that too, that if they weren't like the Pharisees, they wouldn't get to be in the kingdom of heaven, which is why it was such a shock when Jesus showed up and started preaching something different. There's a chapter in the Bible, Matthew 23, that is just a long chapter of Jesus basically ripping on the Pharisees for good reason. And there's one verse in particular that's relevant to what we're saying today, Matthew 23, 13. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves, and you don't let others enter either. So Jesus is saying, not only are the Pharisees not going into the kingdom of heaven, but they're keeping other people out too by the way that they're preaching and, and the laws that they're enforcing. Jesus had a very different idea of who the people were that were supposed to be in the kingdom of heaven, a very different group of people than the Pharisees. So who are these people? Now, Jesus talked about the kingdom over a hundred times in the New Testament. So we are not going to talk about all 100 of those. We don't have time. Uh, we're also not going to talk about the times that Jesus talks about the kingdom in a parable because some of them still confuse me, and so I don't want to talk about them. Um, but also because each one could be their own message, and we still don't have time. So we're going to do the easy ones where Jesus just says the kingdom of heaven is for this person, or this person is the greatest in the kingdom. Um, and we're going to read through a couple of those and paint a picture of the kind of people that God wants, that Jesus wants in his kingdom. So let's read a couple of them. Let's start with Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. We got one up, up here right behind me. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. 
Okay, poor in spirit. That's one category. A couple verses later, 5.10. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Okay, poor in spirit, those who are persecuted for doing what's right. All right, let's skip ahead to Matthew chapter 18, verses 3 through 4, to get another person. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. All right, one more. Luke chapter 6, verse 20 will sound a little familiar to something we already read. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is yours. Okay. So that's four examples. We've got poor in spirit. We got persecuted for doing right. We got humble like a child and we got poor. That's kind of the, the image of God's kingdom people. Now, why did God pick these people? What, what is it about this grouping of, of people characteristics that God likes? Does God just have like a problem with, with money? Does he hate capitalism? Is, is that a thing? I mean, does, he, does he not like maturity? You know, he only likes little kids, but once you're old, gross, get out of here. Like, what, what is going on here? Well, we got to remember what the kingdom of heaven is all about, right? We, we learned this last week. The kingdom of heaven is about God and humans working together to bless the world. So the kingdom of heaven is for people who work with God. The kingdom of heaven is for people who work with God. Now, the reason this group of people is so important is because these are the type of people that just by their nature have to work with God. I'm going to start from the bottom and work up. So poor, right? If you're financially poor, you need God's help, right? You're like, God, I, I can't make it from day to day. I can't survive without you. I can't put food on the table or find a place to live without you, God. I need your help. People who are humble like a child would say, God, I don't know what to do. God, I, I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the maturity to figure out where I should go next in life. God, I need your help. I need to work with you in order to survive. People who are being persecuted would say like, God, I am on the run for my life. There, there's, there's no place that's safe for me. I'm being hunted everywhere I go. God, I need your help to survive. And the phrase poor in spirit kind of summarizes all of these, right? It's saying that you, you are understanding your need for God, saying, God, I need you. God, I, I'm humbly coming before you that I need your help. So these are people that work with God because they have no other choice. And so they are the people that are in God's kingdom, working with God. So that means people who are rich or are maybe very mature or proud, they don't seek God because they say, God, I can do it on my own. God, I got the money. I got the knowledge. I got the know-how. I can figure it out. I, I, I got this. I don't need your help. Thanks for the offer, but I'm, I'm good. I can do it my own way. Those are the type of people that don't seek out God. But when we seek God and his kingdom first, everything else, everything that we need will come after that. We see this in Matthew Chapter 6, verse 33, kind of summarizes this. It says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need, right? Seek the kingdom of God above all else, above everything else that you need, and God will give you everything else afterwards, right? Instead of seeking after my food, seeking after my shelter and survival and emotional well-being, if I seek after God's kingdom, he will give me everything everything else. If I work with God, he will bless me with everything else that I need. So seek first the kingdom of God. Okay, let's pause right here. 
So we know who the people are that are supposed to be in the kingdom. I've right? got this nice list. And a lot of times in sermons, I know this is me for sure, whenever I'm sitting and listening to a sermon, and I hear something like this, I go, oh, that's wonderful. That's me. <laughs> I get to be in the kingdom. I'm, I'm so poor. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely very humble. Uh, and I get persecuted all the time for something. Um, so this is me. I get to be in the kingdom. And my friend, mm, they need to work on their stuff. They definitely need to humble themselves a little bit more. I know who needs to hear this message. I'll send them the link. Uh, this is for you. Right? A lot of times we like to think of ourselves as the good guys and not so much as the problematic people that the sermon is for. So we're just going to pause. And let's ask ourselves the real question, do you fit this list? Because maybe you do, right? I don't know you all super well. I don't know where you were before you came into church. This could very well be describing you and your circumstance in your life. Now, if that's the case, hallelujah, the kingdom of heaven is for you. That's awesome. If it's not, then we need to ask ourselves some tough questions. So let's go through this um, in order. Are you poor in spirit? Right. Are, are you realizing that you need God at every step of the way that you're like, God, I, <laughs> I am nothing without you. I, I, I need you right now. Or would you consider yourself maybe rich in spirit? Like, God, I'm good. My spirit level's all filled up. I, I don't need anything else. I, I don't need any more community or worship. No, I'm good. God. I, can, I can even be a good Christian and not even go to church. So I guess you guys are all, all good on that, on that mark. You know, I'm good. I don't need any more Jesus. Are you poor in spirit? Are you being persecuted for doing what's right, right? Are, are you on the run from the law, from the government, which is hunting you down for, for loving people too much, for praising God too much? Are you not able to walk in public and praise God's name without fear of, of someone coming and arresting you and hunting you down? Is owning a Bible against the law where you live? Or... Are you persecuting others for doing right? Are you saying, no, you're not doing it correctly. You got to do it like me. No, you're not, you're not worshiping right. You're not acting correctly. You, you can't vote for that person. You can't believe in that thing. You can't dress that way. You have to do it the right way, which by the way is, is my way. You have to do it like me. Otherwise, you're, you're wrong. You're incorrect. Are you being persecuted for doing what's right? Or are you persecuting others? Are you humble like a child? Are you saying, God, I... Abba, Father, Papa, I need you. You know, I, I, just, I just can't quite reach. You know, I can't get guided through my life. I need your wisdom in order to know what to do next. I just don't know what to do in your grand wisdom and knowledge and love. God, I need your help to know where I should go. Or are you proud? You're like, God, you know what? I got this taken care of. You know, I went to church a couple times and I think I figured it out. <laughs> I think I got this all under control. You know, I've got a job now. You know, I've got a family that I got to take care of. I got my own classes that I got to go to. I, I got to do this on my own. I got to be the one who takes charge. I got to be the one that's responsible. And I'm, you know what? I'm pretty good at it too. Are you humble or are you proud? And of course, are you actually poor? Is this something where you are struggling day by day just to put food on the table? You don't know what the next day is going to bring. And it's not because of your own you know, inability to manage money. It's just because there's no money to manage. Or do you maybe have some wealth? Do you own a car? Maybe more than one car. You are able to get a new phone, have multiple pairs of shoes, and there is food in your pantry. It just not, might not be the food you want at that moment. You know, in doing research for this uh, message, I want to know what is like globally, what does it mean to be poor? Like what, what would be the average wealth of someone on this planet? And I found in multiple articles, 
and this was from 2018, so it's a little out of date, but it's not super far, that the average global individual yearly income, so the average person made this much money in a year, in 2018, was $2,000. So if you make more than $2,000 in one year, you are wealthier than half of this planet. And let's ask, maybe you make $20,000 a year. You are now 10 times richer than the average person on this planet. What about 40,000, 60,000, 100,000 dollars? If you make that much money, you are globally considered a rich person. And I know for me, when I found that out, it was a call out on me because I always consider myself to be very poor. You know, I don't buy a lot of clothes or, you know, I always try to save money when I can. But I realized I, I'm actually pretty rich in the grand scheme of things. Like I, I own a car and those are not cheap, right? Are you poor or are you rich? Now, as I go through these descriptions, again, if even one of these still applies to you, hallelujah, the kingdom of heaven is for you. Jesus is here to lift you up, even though the world is putting you down. He's saying, no, you are the people that I want in my kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is for you. But as I go through this, and my guess would be most of us maybe don't meet all these requirements, Jesus is calling us out. And that in the stories we've been reading, the character we relate to might not be this list, but we might actually be relating to the Pharisees, that we might be that character in the stories, the one who have the wealth and the authority and the power and are full of spirit or aren't being hunted down, right? That might be us. And that's hard to hear. You see, Jesus calls up the weak and he calls out the strong. Jesus calls up the weak and calls out the strong. And that's what the kingdom of heaven is all about, is lifting up those who have been put down and challenging those of us who have resources. And Jesus says, are you using those to bless the world or to bless yourself? That can be hard to hear. But that's what Jesus is saying. And that's why people wanted to kill him. (laughs) They didn't like what he was saying at all. Okay. So now we've evaluated where we land in this list. So we know who the kingdom of heaven is for, people who work with God, but how do we get into this kingdom, right? How can I get in there? I want to be a part of this kingdom. Well, as I said, the kingdom of heaven is for people who work with God. Now, if you've been in a Lutheran church for a long time, you might have a fear towards one of the words I just said. That's work. I just said you have to work with God. And a lot of us Lutherans were like, <laughs> don't say that word. That's a bad word, Nathan. You see, here in, here in the Lutheran church, I'm saved by grace alone, not by works. There's no works that I need to do. I'm not, I'm not doing any work. The kingdom of heaven is for me. I just give it like a gift. Grace is a free gift. There's no works. Nathan, stop talking. No works. But <laughs> that is sadly, or maybe a good thing, that's in the Bible. There are, there is something that we need to do. And so I'm going to read the verse. So, you know, I'm not making stuff up here. I'm not a heretic. And it's in Luke chapter 13 is one of the verses that we read in, we'll start in uh, verse 23. And this is one of those passages that for me is really tough to read. So we're going to read the whole thing and then we'll explain what it means and why it is good news. Okay. Start with verse 23. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved, right? Will only a few enter the kingdom of heaven. He replied, work hard. Oh, there it is. Oh no. Okay. All right. 
Work hard to enter the narrow door. Well, that's not good. The narrow door to God's kingdom. For many will try to enter but will fail. Nathan, this is not encouraging. I come to church to be encouraged. What is this? Okay, work hard, narrow door, many will fail. Well, let's keep reading. Context, right? Context. We need the context. All right, when the master of the house has locked the door, it will be too late. He will stand outside knocking and pleading, Lord, open the door for us. But he will reply, I do not know you where you have come from. Then he said, but, but we ate and, and drank with you and, and you taught in our streets. And he will reply, I tell you, I don't know you or where you come from. Get away from me, all you who do evil. So encouraging. I love this. Okay. Maybe it gets better. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Cool. Um, for you will see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets in the kingdom of God. Good for them. Oh, but you will be thrown out. I love this. Okay. And people will come from all over the world. Well, that's nice. From east and west, north and south, to take their places in the kingdom of God. I like that. And note this. Some who seem least important now will be the greatest then. And some who are the greatest now will be least important then. Okay. What does all that mean? Let's start at the end, because I like that part. That's nice. The people who are least now will be great then. Oh, I like that. Let's, let's show those people who are great. <laughs> One, two. And then we remember, oh, we're probably the great people. Oh, Mm, okay, well, what did it say before that? Well, it said people from all over the world, from north to south, east to west, are going to be coming to be in the kingdom of God. And that's good news. All right, that means that anybody can go into the kingdom of God. This is not what the Pharisees preached. The Pharisees are preaching only a certain group of people. Only a specific type of person can be in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of heaven is available to anyone. That's good news. But as I mentioned earlier, there must be response. The kingdom of heaven is available to anyone, but there must be a response, that hard work where many fail to get in the narrow door. Okay. All right. There's a work we got to do, but what is it? What, what, what is this work? Were the Pharisees right? Do I actually need to be following all these rules and, and washing a certain way and wearing certain clothes and eating certain food? Do, do I have to do all that stuff? Were they right all along? Well, let's see what Jesus says. Jesus tells us very early on, this is like one of the first things he preached about how do we get into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God. For the kingdom of heaven is near. So what are the action words, the verbs that we need to do? We need to repent and turn to God. See, the kingdom of heaven is available to anyone but there must be a response, repentance. Now, repenting is, again, one of those churchy words, and thankfully, Jesus defines it in that same sentence. Repenting is just turning away from our sin and turning towards God, turning away from our sin, from our, our confused life, and following God's way of life. Right? This, and this makes sense with the whole story of the kingdom that we talked about last week. You see, there is no place for sin in God's kingdom because they're opposite things. Right? If the kingdom of heaven is about God and humans working together to bless the world, then sin gets that twisted, gets it confused. It's about humans abusing God to bless themselves, or humans blessing themselves by their, on their own, or humans using other humans to bless themselves. Right? They get it twisted. It hurts other people. It hurts us. It is not loving. It's not loving towards God or to other people or towards ourselves. It is a bad thing. And so if the kingdom of heaven is about working with God to bless the world. If you're not doing that, 
then you are inherently not a part of the kingdom. It's a different thing. It's a different way of life. This happened in the Garden of Eden. They got kicked out. This happened in the kingdom of Israel. When they turned from God, they got kicked out. We need to be working with God to bless the world, to be a part of the kingdom. Now, as I say all this, I want to be very clear. I'm not standing up on this stage talking down to you saying, you guys better do your repenting. But I'm saying this to myself as if I was sitting right among you. That Nathan, you need to repent of your sins. And I'm well aware of what mine are. Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes I need friends and loved ones or even Jesus himself to point out to me my mistakes. And they can be hard to hear. Sometimes I want to push that out and find the good verses that I like. Oh, anyone can be in the kingdom. That's nice. But the truth is, this is a very important part about being a part of the kingdom. That is said multiple times. And in fact, I've actually said it a couple times, even today, you just might not have noticed, of when we need to turn from our sins and go towards God. We need to repent from our sins. In fact, we can't even do that on our own, right? As I said, sometimes, a lot of times, most of the times, (laughs) I need Jesus and the Holy Spirit to reveal those sins to me. And I'm only able to repent because Jesus died on the cross for me. And I'm only able to repent because God the Father has forgiveness and grace for me. I'm not even able to repent on my own. You see, repentance is humans and God working together to bless the world. Repentance is the kingdom of heaven. Even that we cannot accomplish on our own. Jesus describes this really well in a nice um, analogy in John chapter three, uh, when he is confronted by one of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is trying. He's trying so hard. He's like, God, I want to figure it out. How do I get into the kingdom? And Jesus gives him this hard command. In John three, five, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom without being born of water and the spirit. You gotta be born of water and born of the spirit. Now again, I could talk for hours about what those phrases mean, but in short, being born of the spirit is being born into the spiritual kingdom, right? We have a physical birth where we're born into this physical earth and this physical kingdom, but we must be born again spiritually to enter into the spiritual kingdom. And being born of water, again, represents a lot of things. It represents being cleansed of our sins. The Pharisees knew this. That's why they were so particular about cleaning things and washing things. But the Pharisees were concerned about cleansing physically. But Jesus was concerned about cleansing internally, cleansing our hearts through repentance. It represents being born again through baptism. Right? When we baptize people, we sometimes dunk them underwater to represent that they have died to their sin. Then we lift them back up to say that they have been born again. They've been resurrected with Jesus. You've been given a new life. And of course, water can remind us of this river that surrounds the kingdom of heaven. That when we are baptized, we cross through this river. We cross through this river to enter into the kingdom. We'll cross the border to enter into the kingdom. And so being born of water, being born of spirit, means having this new life in the kingdom that comes through repentance and dying to our sins, being given a new life. Okay, let's recap everything as we wrap up. We've learned that to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you need to be a type of person who works with God. And this work is repentance, turning from our sin and facing God and turning towards God and saying, God, I need your help. I can't do this on our own. I'm sorry. Forgive me. 
And so what I want to do today is give us that opportunity to repent. I know this is something that we, well, we save for communion Sundays, but it really should be something we do all the time. So I'm just going to pause for a moment. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit reveal to you, where is it that you have sinned? Where is it that you have gotten the way of life confused and focused on yourself? Where is it that you've hurt other people or let your pride get in the way of accepting God's help? So we're just going to pause. We're going to let that come to our mind. Repentance is one of those things that we often don't want to talk about because it makes us feel maybe dirty or gross or bad. But repentance is not a bad thing. It is a good thing because it gives us a second chance. Because if it was us all on our own, we would fail. But God allows us time and time and time again because of his grace, because of his love to say, God, you know what? I screwed up. Please help me. And God doesn't say, mm, you've run out. You, are, you asked for forgiveness already a hundred times. That's too many. No, he still says, I'm right here. I'm with you. And he scoops us up and he carries us and he moves us forward. Repentance is a good and beautiful thing. And so we're going to do that right here today. We're going to give all of us a time and an opportunity to repent before God. And for some of you, this might be the very first time you've ever done that. The first time you've been in a church or the first time you've ever realized, you know what? Yeah, I have sinned and I need to give that to God. This is a time for you. Or maybe for some of you, you've gone to church, you've gone through the motions, you maybe even said these words before, but you've never really meant it, never knew what it meant or didn't really care. But maybe today you do mean it. And you're like, yes, God, I, I do want to repent. I do want to be a part of your kingdom. I want to be a citizen. And this is for you. Or this could be the hundredth time you've said it and meant it, and we always got to keep saying it. So I'm going to encourage you all to close your eyes, to bow your heads, and to repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, sorry that I have sinned against you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me. Today, I say yes to following you. Amen. All right, with your eyes still closed and your heads bowed, I want to have one more opportunity, one more response. If today was the first time you ever said that, or the first time you ever said it and meant it, I want you to raise your hand right now. Again, this is a private moment between just you and God, and I guess I'm here too. But please, just raise your hand right now. And if you're online, just say... I said yes in the, in the comments. Okay. Wonderful. All right, you guys can, can open your eyes now. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It is a thing we are supposed to do regularly. Not because it is a weak repentance, and if we don't say it all the time, it's not going to mean anything, but it's a reminder for us of what this is all about, of our dependence on God. So if today was the first time you ever said those words, um, you said yes to Jesus, I want to encourage you to meet us at the blue table after the service, where we'd love to connect with you and connect you more towards Redeemer. Or if you're online and you said that today, please go to redeemermn.org slash next steps. 
and we'll have, again, some resources and love to connect with you there. Okay, Redeemer, we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Whether you consider yourself to be one of those who are weak, who need Jesus, or whether you realize maybe you've got a lot more going on for you than you realized, and you still need Jesus, <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is for us to work with God to bless the world. So that's what we're going to go to today. We are going to leave this place. We're going to bless others, and we're going to share the good news that the kingdom of heaven is available for all of them. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you give us second, third, a hundredth chances that when our pride and our sin gets in the way, that you still are there waiting for us to turn to you and that we can be a part of your kingdom, your mission to bless the world. God, I pray you give us all strength as we go out. God, I pray you humble us and help us find our faults, not in a way that makes us feel bad or dirty, but makes us appreciate our need for you. And help us to listen to you as we go out into the world and share this good news that the kingdom of heaven is available to anyone who turns to you. In your name we pray. Amen.